My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. As Ray was mentioning to the confirmands this morning, giving them a little bit of an overview of the history of our church, we have Lutheran roots here at this congregation. We were a union church of both the Lutheran and the Reformed. And since the Lutherans have, well, since many years ago now, moved a few miles down the road and constructed their own church, um, it's still good to acknowledge our Lutheran past and our Lutheran roots and acknowledge the many uh, similarities between um, the Lutheran, uh, the way the Lutherans look at Scripture and the Bible and the very close similarities they have between that and the way that the Reformed look uh, and interpret uh, Scripture. Lots of commonalities there, I think. So this morning, and out of our Lutheran uh, roots, you know, we, we, we observe Reformation Sunday. And I think that the story that Jeanette just read from the Gospel according to Luke of the story of Zacchaeus teaches us something about Reformation, particularly the Reformation of the soul. So that's the title of my sermon this morning, The Reformation of the Soul. And so if you've been in Sunday school, you're probably familiar with the story of Zacchaeus. Oh, if you aren't, then you just heard it read, so now you are. But there was even a little song that we used to sing in Sunday school that I remember singing, that you may have remembered singing. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Does anybody remember that one? It's a classic. It's a classic. And some of you are like, what are you talking about? It was a different time. It's a very well-known story. So let's look at some things about Zacchaeus. It says here that he was a chief tax collector and this is in the region here of Jericho and it said that he was rich so there is just like all of us in the hour have a complicated relationship with the IRS the Jews of that era had a very complicated relationship with uh, the tax collectors employed by the Romans and uh, it was actually much worse for them than it is for us uh, with the IRS if there's any IRS agents listening, um, it was worse back then. But anyway, I, all that to say the tax collectors of this era were considered by the Jews of the time as like the worst of the worst. Like sinner of sinners. They were, they, they were considered to be the lowest of the low. And here's why. The taxman, this is a quote, was called a publicanus, meaning a public revenue. Publicans, tax collectors... They bid at the Roman Senate open auctions for the right to collect taxes for a certain city or area under Rome's rule. The publican's bid was commensurate with what was thought to be the possible income from that place. If he bid on Jerusalem, the income would be high, and his bid was high. If he bid on the small fishing village, uh, Portofino, the incoming revenue would be small, and his bid would be small. He made his money by making sure the expected revenue exceeded his bid. He paid the government the bid and pocketed the rest. So what they would do is they would, like an auction, right? It's like eBay. You would apply and pay for the rights to be the tax collector of a particular area. And as long as Rome got the share that they wanted, that they, well, demanded, um, and if you didn't give it to them, they would roll up with their army, right? 
they would, if they got their share, they didn't care how much extra the tax collectors would keep for themselves, right? So instead of just taxing enough to pay Rome and to pay back the bid, tax collectors would, would just lay out more and more and more extravagant taxes at the expense of people. And many of them became extremely wealthy based on this dishonesty. Very dishonest. So now you can understand why the attitude against tax collectors was so negative back then. And also, keep in mind too, right, that where they're at, taxes are, are paying for occupying armies. And it's interesting though, that even though tax collectors were not just seen as the worst of sinners, they were also seen as traitors because they're taxing their own people for their own benefit. It's interesting that Jesus sought them out. And in Matthew 9, 11, it says, And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? That is a very, very good question. Why does your teacher eat with them? And Jesus actually says in, this, in the Gospel of Luke here at the end of the story that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save those who are lost. And so then he hears about Jesus. So he seeks to see who Jesus is, right? So we know that in the Gospels, that the word about Jesus begins to spread through the region. And crowds are following him. Crowds are gathering. He finds out that Jesus is about to pass through. So Zacchaeus is curious. I'm hearing a lot about this guy. Who is this Jesus? What does he have to say? And the text notes that he was small in stature, right? He was, he was short. We're actually talk a little bit more about this in a few minutes. So he was short, he ran ahead of the crowd, and he climbed a tree so he could watch ahead. So he doesn't even like walk with the crowd. He's like, I got to get a good look at this Jesus guy to see what's going on. So he runs ahead of where they're going. He finds a fig tree, he climbs up the fig tree, and he's like, okay, I'm going to check this out. Something interesting happens. As everybody's walking by, Jesus stops at the tree. And he looks up, and he sees him in the tree, and he addresses him by name. It's like, hey, Zacchaeus, how you doing up there? Zacchaeus like, I'm fine. And then Jesus not only stops and talks to him, he then invites himself over for dinner. <laughs> okay, I'm coming to your house today. Is that cool? Zacchaeus is like, uh, yeah. And then he gets down, he brings Jesus to the house, and it says, it received him joyfully. And as, as Jesus does this, as his disciples and Jesus, they go to Zacchaeus' house for dinner. Everyone, well, not everyone, well, probably everyone gets angry, right? How could Jesus do this, right? How could he go to the house of this tax collector, right? And all the social justice warriors get on Twitter to try and cancel him. Like, I saw a picture, take a picture of Jesus, like, entering the house of Zacchaeus. He's going to this tax collector's house. Hashtag, hashtag tax collector, hashtag Jesus, hashtag sinner, hashtag uh, cancel, right? Ridiculous. Do you know whose house he dared to enter? But Zacchaeus moved, he's moved by Jesus' kindness and by Jesus' words to him. And he gets up and he says, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. Half of my goods I give to the poor. It's interesting, right? When we, when we heard the reading from the Old Testament, from the book of Isaiah, that was part of it, right? About doing justice is providing for the poor. I think it's, we need to keep that in mind. Oftentimes we get so caught up in issues that we consider justice that we forget the justice the scriptures are actually teaching us to do to help the poor. 
clothe those who have no clothes, feed those who have no food, provide for those who cannot be provided for. That's the justice work of the church, not all this other stuff that we add on. Zacchaeus says, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it, he says, fourfold. Fourfold. Numbers chapter 5, verse 6 to 7 says this. Speak to the people of Israel. When a man or woman commits any of the sins that people commit by breaking faith with the Lord, and that person realizes his guilt, he shall confess his sin that he has committed, and he shall make full restitution for his wrong, adding a fifth to it and giving it to him whom he did the wrong. Right? So the law says if you've done something wrong to someone and you need to make restitution, you need to, to take what you took, right, and then add a fifth to it. Now, I'm not that great at math, okay? But I know that taking something from someone and then adding a fifth to it is a lot less than giving them four times as much as what you owe them. Right? Zacchaeus is going, not, he's going above and beyond what the law requires. Not just giving them back with a fifth. It's four times as much. It's almost as if moved by Jesus and his kindness and Jesus' presence in his home. It's almost as if he's saying, I'm going to give everything away. Because it says he's very wealthy. He says, I'm going to give half to the poor. And if I've defrauded anybody, I'm going to give four times per person. He goes beyond the requirements of the law to make restitution. And Jesus responds, today salvation has come to this house. And he reminds everyone that Zacchaeus is in fact a son of Abraham. That he's part of God's covenant people. Right? That even though he's a tax collector and a sinner, that God's grace is still for him. And we see on display here in the life of Zacchaeus, a reformation of the soul displayed by his acts of restitution. Talk a little bit more about the rest, re, reformation of the soul. So let's go back and talk a little bit about Zacchaeus's height. So his height here is not just a, 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 an indication of his stature, right? It's important to know that he was certain feet high, uh, certain feet and inches tall, or I mean, you know, if you want to go this way, you can do meters and all that, centimeters. It's not about trying to figure out how tall or short he was. It's an indication of something else, right? His, 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 his being short is a picture of the stunted state of his soul. The stunted state of his soul. His outward appearance is meant to show us a picture of an internal spiritual reality. His acquisition of unjust riches and being a sinner has stunted him spiritually. St. Theophylact, commenting on this passage, said, Anyone who is chief among many in wickedness is little in spiritual stature, for flesh and spirit are opposites to one another, and for this reason he cannot see Jesus for the crowd. Right? So this stunted state of his stole, right? His, his flesh and spirit being opposite to one another, right? 
This is the reason he cannot see Jesus, right? It's not just talking about seeing with the eyes of our bodies, right? Somebody walking past, but it's also about seeing with the eyes of the soul, right? Which is something that St. Augustine talks about in some of his homilies. Is like, this is the goal of the Christian life, is the cleansing of the eyes of the heart so we can see God. And Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will what? See God. Sin makes us unable to see Jesus. We may hear of him, we might hear about him, but we cannot see him or find him until we are drawn by divine grace to the fig tree and we climb it in order to see. And when this happens, Jesus stops at the tree and sees us gawking and he invites himself over for dinner. Right, I think it's in the Gospel of John. This is in my notes. I'm just reminded of it now where Jesus says, my father and I will make our home with you, those who believe in me. We then, our eyes opened by his love, can receive him into the home of our heart where we are then transformed. And this transformation isn't just something that happens to us on the inside and then we go on keep living the way that we always have been. Is This is actually something transformative. And then I think that this is something maybe the Reformation did a lot of good, but this is one of the things that I think maybe the Reformation has led, a, has led in a direction it didn't intend. And I don't think, I can't think of any reformer that would teach this or believe this, but this is how it's developed over time, is that there's just this internal state that we need to get to by saying and believing a certain thing. And once we do that, we're good with God. But that's not how any of this works, Right? is that it's not just a legal declaration, right? When we talk about, we could talk a lot about this, but we won't, about, about Christ's righteousness. And, uh, and there's all of this talk in, 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 in uh, Reformation, Lutheran churches, about Christ's um, righteousness being imputed to us, right? So it's, it's, it's given to us, but it doesn't actually transform us. It's just something that's declared over us. So when God looks and he sees us, he sees the righteousness of Jesus, not our own. I think there's something to that, but I think it kind of misses the point a little bit because I think what it overlooks is that when we are declared righteous by God, right, when we are justified, when we are regenerated by the Spirit, that's another way that the scriptures talk about salvation, when all of this happens, our hearts are transformed, right? Not a muscle that pumps the blood through our body, but our soul is transformed by divine grace. We are actually given life itself. We are given new life, which then begins to work itself out in us through our actions. St. Gregory of Nyssa said, everyone should be like this in their regeneration. We should blot out our old habits that tend to sin, for after the grace bestowed, we are called God's children. So this grace and mercy, we have been shown the salvation we have been given is then demonstrated through our acts of repentance and holy living. But so many people want to hold on to sins that we don't want to let go of. And when we do that, the eyes of our heart and our soul are darkened and our souls become stunted like Zacchaeus's. And here's the problem of our age is that nobody thinks that they're lost. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save those who are lost. But nobody believes they are lost. 
because we're all too busy living our own truth. We don't think we're lost. But we are. But we are. And Jesus has come to seek and to save all of us. And Zacchaeus, he's the model, not just for our initial regeneration. He's not just the model for the moment of salvation when we, are, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ through the waters of baptism and through faith, right? It's not just that. Zacchaeus is also a model for our ongoing life of holiness. Our ongoing life of holiness as expressed, as shown through our good works. As we can see present right here, something that we're doing for the food bank with all of this food that's been graciously given will be continued to be collected. And of all the ongoing good works that we do here as a church with Bethlehem Emergency Services, the good works that we do here at this church with, with Bright Hope Pregnancy Centers, a place where women can go and be provided for and be given supplies for their, for, for their children. who They had, when nobody else had um, uh, formula, guess who had formula? They did. And they can go and serve women and give them options to the horrors of abortion. The work that we get, giving food to New Bethany Ministries in Bethlehem, something else that we do. These are all things that we do, not because we have to do them, but because God love, God's love is, needs to be demonstrated through what we do. Because if it's not, then we don't believe the things that we say that we believe in. And We see Christ this way. We see Christ. Right? We, may not, we may not be able to climb a fig tree, but even then, maybe the fig tree is a picture of something else. Right? Maybe the, the fig tree where Christ is seen, maybe this could be referring to the church. And maybe the figs that grow on the tree can be a picture of the good works that we do. Right? Because Jesus isn't bodily walking along the street that we can all come and see. But Jesus is present and living when we are gathered together as the church. The scriptures say the church is the body of Christ. Right? So for people who want to see, see who Jesus is, who wants to know who Jesus is, who wants to experience life in Christ, where do you think that they need to go? To the church. Because this is where Christ is. Gathered together this morning. We are the church. Gathered for worship. When we gather for worship, a service of the word, we are present as Christ's body. When we gather for a service of the, of the word and the sacrament, Christ is present. When we baptize our young ones and people new to the faith, Christ is present and his work is ongoing in us. Christ is seen here in us and through us. And that is why the work of the church cannot be delegated to, to video, right? Video is a tool. And if you're watching, thank you for watching. You're fantastic. But video is not the assembly of the saints. It is not the called out ones. It is a tool that we use to reach out, to help people still feel connected in some way. 
but that's all in service to us gathered together as believers to hear the word of God read, to hear the word of God rightly preached, and to have the sacraments rightly administered. That was the point of the Reformation. The word of God needs to be proclaimed, it needs to be read so people can understand it, it needs to be explained so people can understand it, and we need to come together around the sacrament of Christ's body and blood to be given his grace. Because that's what all of this is about. And so may Zacchaeus' reformation of his own soul continue to be examples for the reformation of the souls who are outside of Christ and the reformation, the ongoing sanctification of the souls of those who are in Christ already. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Zion's Stone Church. We're in the middle of a building repair campaign, and if you'd like to help, please go to www.gofundme.com slash Zion's Stone Church Repair Fund. We'd appreciate anything you'd be able to donate. If you're ever in the area, you're always welcome to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 10.15 a.m. God bless you.